Welcome to Gilmore. No, I should say hi. Hello, and welcome to Gilmore, a podcast where two adult women who know way too much about Gilmore Girls discuss it. No, stop. Just read it. <laughs> but then I feel like I'm going to lose. Okay. Or don't either. Just go for it. <laughs> and it'll just, it doesn't Talk have to about be. the show. Talk about the show one episode at a time. It can be whatever. It's all made up. It's all made up. It's all made up. Oh, okay. It's all made up. Just make it okay. up. Woo. Okay. Hello and welcome to Gilmore, a podcast where two adult women who know way too much about Gilmore Girls talk about the show one episode at a time. Nailed it. Nailed it. I am Rachel. And I'm Lindsay. And we are here at the local library. Shout out to libraries. And today we are discussing season one, episode two, The Lorelei's First Day at Chilton. Yes. It's a first non-pilot episode. Right. That's what happens after the pilot. <laughs> it's a um, non-pilot episode. I think it'll be a little easier to talk about this time because there's just not as much plot that has to happen right. like there was last time. Right. This one This one was more of a actual story-driven episode rather than just like, a, hey, here's a smattering of everything that you need to know. Yeah, we're setting up everything that could possibly happen in the next five seasons. Yeah. Hold on. Speaking of story, do you want to give a little recap? How would you explain this episode to someone? It is Rory's first day at Chilton. So she's obviously anxious and excited and all the things, and Lorelai oversleeps. So that kind of sets up the initial tension. Lorelai oversleeps and dresses like a cowgirl and then goes to drop Rory off at school. And uh, when they get there, Emily is there. So we find out Emily is uh, knows the headmaster and she's going to get overly involved. And then basically the rest of the episode is... Lorelai and Emily kind of disagreeing because Emily's trying to get overly involved in Rory's academic life and her life at school. And then Rory is at Chilton and she's making all the enemies because everyone there is mean. And then that's the end of the episode. We basically find out this is a really hard school and Emily is going to be Emily. Yes, Emily's going to Emily. I like um, she makes all the enemies. <laughs> she does. <laughs> she doesn't really make any friends, which is actually a good point. Yeah, so the, I want to start there. I want to start talking about first, let's talk about Chilton. Okay. The first thing you see of Chilton is like a terrifying gargoyle. So you right. know it's going to be this, like, <laughs> what is this place? And then she meets uh, Headmaster Charleston, who I have to say, like, is the meanest he could possibly be to a new student. I really did like, that's a side note, I really did like how Rory held her own in that. Yeah. But you're right, even in holding her own, it's not like he's impressed or backs down on the meanness. Well, that's the thing is I would get it if she was like, well, yeah, I think it would be really cool to do that. And she seems vapid or unserious, but then she even responds like with witticism. You'll notice the debating team's also missing from my resume. And it's like she's being super witty and handling it, handling his punches and giving good responses. And he's like, you might fail. And we don't do that here. And (laughs) I'm like, can you chill your vibes for just a second? I feel like it might also, again, okay, so listeners, here is where Lindsay and I like to take a rabbit trail down Let's pretend that this is a real world, even though we know it's fictional characters. What I was going to say is I feel like it might be not a ploy, but it might be that kind of like a good teacher doesn't smile until December, like 
put, start them out on their back foot mm-hmm. and know from the start, you're not going to be coddled. You're not going to be treated well because I know your grandparents like don't get the impression that just because you've gotten in here, you're going to have an advantage mm-hmm. to test her doubly. But it didn't have to be so mean. Well, and it's like if this were the real world, like there's so much research around like when you encourage people and point them in a direction that says like I am for you it makes it a better environment for the student and they do better so it's like you're being mean for no reason and actually you're harming your students yeah it's a very it is a very weird scene but it really sets it up for like her whole day and what Chilton really ends up being for the first good while while she's there. It's like, right. this is not... Everybody's slightly antagonistic. And speaking of antagonistic... <laughs> if not overly well, antagonistic. Exactly. So I want to move to the next set of characters that we meet, which, uh, again, I've seen this so many times that I like stopped observing it. But the first time uh, when Rory walks in with Lorelai and we see Madeline, Louise, and Paris stop on the stairs, it is like chef's kiss... The perfect Mean Girls early 2000s look. It is de- the glare. Yes. The glare. The, the three of them posing on the stairs over their shoulders. Yes. Like, you know what's, what these girls are going to be like immediately. And the fact, like you said, we've seen this so many times. I noticed that, too, that we actually get a glimpse of them as like as Rory and Lorelai walk into the school, mm-hmm. even before they have any lines. Yeah. Which is great, of, of this foreshadowing of... Okay, they're going to be trouble. These girls matter. Right. These girls are going to come back. The thing I noticed, too, when they were standing there is the fact that I have to really think hard in order to determine who is Madeline and who is Louise. I still have to do that. I'm like, (laughs) which one is which? In certain episodes, they distinctly say... One's name, one's name or the other, mm-hmm. and but it's rare that they're separated mm-hmm. in a they're way. They're always together. That makes you realize like who's who. It's and Madeline so, Louise. Madeline. So when I first saw them and took the note of like, oh, we see the, we see Paris and Madeline and Louise. It's like they're one. Entity. They're an entity. <laughs> well, they are always together. They're yeah. even. Uh, when we see them later in future seasons, we're like, where do they come from? Right. We never see one of them. It's we never, both of them. Yeah, it's never Madeline or Louise. It's always Madeline right. and Louise together. There's an actress that plays one of them. I think it's Louise, who has the most early 2000s actress name of all time. Which is what? Teal Redman. I mean, yes. if you had to say, <laughs> hey... Name a famous person from the early 2000s, and you said Teal Redman. I'd yes. be like, yes, yeah, that, that's that, exactly that tracks. That yeah. tracks. It's like that's that's it. Yes. yes. So so what I determined in this episode is that Madeline is the dark haired yes girl, and Louise is the blonde haired girl. Mm-hmm. Not to not to minimize their characters or to make them one person, but mm-hmm. they're just they're sidekicks too for a long time to Paris, and well, so yeah. that's kind of how. They're presented to us as like they're a set. They're a set. They're yeah. just that's a character. Yeah. Madeline and Louise are a character. <laughs> and actually, it's funny too, always to go back to watch these early episodes. And I actually remember how much I despised Paris. Mm-hmm. I don't anymore because obviously I've seen the, the, well, the entirety an of the show yeah. and I love her. But I remember her being such an antagonist to Rory mm-hmm. in a way that as a character she was just awful, and you couldn't stand the way she treated Rory. Mm -hmm. And as a side note, um, you might, you probably know this, but um, Liza Weil was um, 
originally came in to audition for Rory, and she didn't get that part, but ASP liked her so much that they wrote Paris for her. Well, she's it's the perfect character. Right, right. Like, she is so good. Like, as much as you hate Paris, especially in this episode and for a good long while, she's perfect. Yeah. So speaking of antagonists, we also um, have Tristan. Oh, geez. Who is a mix. Um, mostly probably antagonist at this point. Um, so Tristan comes in, seems like he was out because his grandfather was sick. Um, and he immediately notices Rory as a new kid, uh, asks another guy, who is this? And the guy who we never see again says new kid. And Tristan says something about, we have a Mary on our hands. Initial thoughts on Tristan from just this episode. He might possibly in the future could see himself having a thing for Rory, but also maybe just wants to tease her because she seems like a goody goody. I feel like Tristan to me is all of the problematic, icky, masculine teenage boy stuff. Cause he like, at least in this episode, reads sexual predator to me. Like yeah. that, that, that situation in the hallway where he's like, well, he starts giving her a time like Mary, like one, ew, gross. Right. Like you don't know me, please don't call me by a nickname that's icky, even if I don't know what it means. But then he's like, I can help you study. And he like comes on to her really aggressively to the point where she's like, that's kind of a solitary activity. Like she's literally like, I'm new. I'm trying to get notes. And he like is like preying on the fact that he thinks she looks like a goody goody, which means like he's manipulative. And that she might be shy enough or scared enough to be like, ooh, this cute guy's talking to me. Or like find it to be charming, which fortunately we know Rory enough to know that she's like, What's your deal? Which I do find actually interesting because the fact that in the previous episode when we saw her talk to Dean for the first time, until she saw who it was, she was like totally normal, for Mm -hmm. lack of a better word. But then once she sees that it's Dean, she kind of like goes into shy, awkward mode. But then with Tristan, she doesn't have that from the beginning, even when he is kind of slightly nice to her well and which he, made me wonder does that is she not into him immediately i think part of it is that she's not into him and also like one of the things that we pick up really early with rory is that her she just get, like kind of gets a good read on people she's like a bit able to see like why are you acting this way like i think she's like catches his vibe really quick and is like, no, thank you. Yeah, it is probably immediately. Because it's so overt. It's not like with Dean where he was like trying to be charming, but it was really actually creepy. With Tristan, it's like <laughs> he's just creepy. Right. And so she's like, I'm just trying to learn. She's overwhelmed because he's probably not used to being told no. And he's probably not used to that. You can tell because he's like weird about her rebuffing him. Throughout the episode even, she gets increasingly like annoyed with him mm-hmm. calling her Mary. So especially by the end of the episode, she clearly is like, "This, what is the that name's with this Rory? Dude? Like, yeah, leave me alone." Yeah. Like, like at this point, she's like, "I just, I'm just trying to go to school." Yeah, I'm just trying what to get to Harvard. This? Yeah, I <laughs> just want. I have dreams in my life. I don't want all of you to take take it away from me. But again, I do like in not only in the Charleston interaction, but also later with Paris when Paris turns down her offer to help her with her project, she does eventually, like, 
put her put her dukes up and and say like okay I'm not going to go down without a fight like well, if yeah. you're gonna if you're gonna act this way and not take my help and clearly want to fight mm-hmm. I'm not going to just sit down and take it yeah which again I love I love the establishment of Rory as not not a pushover yeah. or not weak and not someone who I mean yeah she doesn't love Paris but and she but she's not scared of her well yeah and I think that's what's really makes it a fun ending to the episode because she seems meek like when you meet her she's like bookish and you know in episode one she was wearing the muumuu and all that stuff <laughs> but then when she's faced with a challenge especially I think I th- I think what makes it so great is she sees how ridiculous it is. Like there's so many times and we'll get to them later when when she's like, why is this a fight? And so she just will fight back just to make it more interesting for herself. And also, I think, because she doesn't want to let Paris establish dominance right away. Paris has a history, I'm sure, of doing that to other students. Oh, yeah. And and we see she has a future of doing that to other students as well. So I think... Rory coming in, and that's probably doubly then why Paris is so threatened by her. Because mm-hmm. Paris, from the get, is not able to, like, take her down, basically. Yeah. Which is why why their don- dynamic is so amazing right off the bat, because it's like... They're, they're good matches for each other when it comes to, like, cognitive sparring. They, like, become really good at really, like, kind of outwitting each other and challenging each other and all that stuff. Right, so. they're a good they're a good match. So speaking of Chilton, I want to introduce what will be something that it comes up a lot and it is ASP rich people names. Hortense Van Uppity, tight bun, lace collar, tiny poodle, fictional friend. My favorite. There are I know you've talked about this. So there are so many throughout like we will just have all of these amazing rich people names so when we're in Stars Hollow we have Patty and Luke and we meet Babette and Jackson Taylor and Taylor yeah so we meet all of these like regular named people and then we get to Chilton and we meet Hanlon Charleston and Paris Geller Tristan DuGray Tristan DuGray and we've got Madeline Grant and Louise Gray, I think, are their yeah. names. Or, they, have, they both have G names. I yeah, know that. Louise yeah. Gray and Madeline Gray, whichever whichever version of that is right. <laughs> it's just one more way that Stars Hollow and Chiltern and Hartford are these opposing places because it's just like, just even the names that she gives these people, I'm like, of course that's a rich person's name. Right, and we never even see Biddy, but Biddy becomes a character in the sense that they talk about her, and because the name is so powerful. It's so memorable. Like, Biddy, I know who that is. Yeah. Yes. There will be many versions, and many times this comes up, but I just want to say, like, ASP, good job on the rich people names. Yes, they, A+. Like, plus. They're A+, plus for every single one. I want to I, I introduce a segment called, What Are You Wearing? <laughs> what are you wearing? Because, and last week we didn't do this, which we should have, because we had Rory's Moomoo, right. which never shows up again. No, and she doesn't even really dress like that yeah. again. But Lorelai especially, her wardrobe is like an entire personality yes. um, as part of the show. And, and actually to the point where in this episode, it's like a major plot point. So it I want to talk. And I have, a, I have a problem with it. I do too. <laughs> and so I want to talk to you about the cowgirl outfit. Yes. So for those that uh, 
if you are listening to this and you've never seen the show, I mean, great. We're glad you're here. Now's the time. Now's though. the time, though, friends. But if you if you haven't seen the show, what happens is Rory or Lorelai wakes up late and uh, she is planning on you know having a cute outfit and picking up all her dry cleaning and she says all my all my nice clothes are at the cleaners because she woke up late she can't go and so just she just throws something on well the something she throws on <laughs> is like a tie-dye baby tee yep and cut off jeans which then she partners with cowboy boots yes and i probably because i've seen this so many times am at the point where i want to pick this apart in the yes. beginning, you're like, it's quirky, it's cute, it's funny. And it makes funny. it funny. Yes. Absolutely. Like, it's a value, it's a valuable outfit in the storyline and comedic presentation of the show. Now when I watch it, I think literally the pajama pants yes, you were sleeping in sweatpants were less offensive. Yes. She's wearing gray sweatpants and a monkey shirt. Like, <laughs> Paul Frank shirt. Yes. <laughs> like, just go in that and put your, like... Or even sneakers. just even just the tight IT with the gray pants or something. Yes. It, well, or, and why why are the only you clearly don't have your shoes at the dry cleaners? Why are the only shoes available to you cowboy boots? Well, exactly. Like you see this shot and you believe her. Like your blue suit with the flippy skirt that you wanted to wear is at the cleaners. Fine. Right. We see all her cute clothes later, but we also see. A closet full of clothes <laughs> in those in, in those shots in the shot where she's, where she's like, I don't have anything to wear. Okay, fine, you don't have any nice clothes to wear, but you know what? I bet you have whole pants. Yes, <laughs> whole <laughs> pants. Like there's something non rodeo like. Yeah, that bothers me now every time, and it and it is a plot point, obviously, and it establishes things. But I wanna I, I wanna like add to that. So when we get to Chilton. Like, she's dropping Rory off, and Rory's like, you have to go meet the headmaster. I get that it's a private school, but, like, on what planet does a parent have to go meet the principal of the school when you're new? You know what I mean? Like, you signed up. And not only that, Rory, knowing how her mother is dressed, why would she insist today is the day you have to meet the headmaster? Like, meet the the headmaster tomorrow. (laughs) Like, let me just get in there. Or make an appointment with him and meet him later. Well, and then they get there, and everyone's like, take off your coat. And it's like, you don't want to be rude, Lorelai. Like, yeah, it might be weird for someone to sit in a room with a coat on, but, like, if I said, hey, do you want to take your coat off? And someone was like, no, thank you. I'd be like, okay. Right, which feels maybe kind of like a rich, not a rich person thing, but the in that moment, the idea that Emily just is about appearances and feels like, oh, well, if you don't take your coat off because he offered, it's rude. But it is, yeah, all, all of that is obviously plot stuff, but it was on your thousandth viewing, it's very irritating <laughs> yeah although there are some really good zingers oh because, because of, of the how outfit. she's dressed absolutely like because of how she's dressed like do you need a ride or is your horse parked outside which again i was gonna say i love we saw it a little bit i think in the pilot but i love seeing emily being quippy mm-hmm. because it's it makes sense that Lorelai's quippiness didn't just come out of nowhere yes i mean oh. she does get it from both of her parents but to hear Emily say things like that mm-hmm. off the cuff is just so much of an establishment of, oh, Lorelai grew up in kind of a witty house, even though she didn't agree with everything 
or a lot of the things, mm-hmm. but she did get her wit a lot, probably a lot from Emily. Yes, and I, I so that leads into something else I want to talk about, which is rants. This show <laughs> has some of the best rants. I mean, there are so many characters that go on rants. Yes. But, and everyone's rant has a different flavor. We see Emily rant for the first time, and it is like, it oozes that like guilt, passive aggression, Mm -hmm. because she just goes on and on. I'm not allowed here, is that it? (laughs) I didn't say that. I'm allowed to pay for it, but I can't actually set foot on the premises, I just want to get the rules straight. (gasps) Boy. How about the street? Can I drive down the street? Forget it. Maybe I should just avoid this neighborhood altogether. Though my doctor's just down the block, maybe I can get special permission if I'm bleeding from the head. But I think it establishes, like, another feeling that will happen around the show, which is the idea of a character rant. And Emily's is almost always emotionally manipulative and passive aggressive. But it's witty enough that you're not like, ew, I hate this Right, person. it doesn't vilify her yes. necessarily. Yeah, because when she does actually have vil- villain-ish moments, it's not that delightful rant. Yeah, It's like straight out villainy. But it's intentionally, like, it, it walks that line of like, that's bad. <laughs> But, like, it was funny enough. Yeah, and it was also very clever. Yes, yes. And so, like, the the passive-aggressive emotional manipulation rant um, is something we will see from Emily in the future. I do agree with Lorelai. Like, why are you here? Right. I was going to actually bring that up about there's there's a couple things in this episode that I wanted to get, like, your your stance on whose side you'd be on. So the first one is that. Do you think... That is appropriate for Emily to be there. No. I mean, maybe in rich people land. I don't know. Are there rich people out there that listen to this? Because we're not. Because we're not. <laughs> I grew, I went to public school. Same. I, like, I'm regular. Um, <laughs> I'm on Lorelai's side with the, like, what is Emily doing there? Because she's, you know, you, and it's, it's a classic Emily. She's establishing, like, this is who this person is. She's a Gilmore we matter. Like, right, that's right. why she's there. And she even says that. Yes. And so, like, that frustrates me. Because I, if I were Lorelai or I were Rory, I'd be like, what are you doing here? Like, there is no reason for you to be here. But then when it comes to, like, she wants to buy socks and skirts and stuff like that for her granddaughter... I mean, I get R- Lorelai has this boundary because of all of her backstory around not wanting Emily to, like interfere and pay for stuff and, and have whatever. strings be attached and be independent but like she's already paying for Rory's school like if she wants to buy her a sweater like who cares I do say I will say though when she goes to the parking spot and she's like I got her a parking spot <laughs> that's when I'm like you need to back off like it very much felt and I don't know that I've ever noticed this before this rewatch but Emily was weirdly living like reliving her parenting of Lorelai vicariously through oh and that Rory. happens for the entire show. Oh, it definitely does, but I had never noticed it in this before because we know from future episodes that, and even this one, I guess, that Lorelai went to a private school at mm-hmm. some point. So Emily buying the the all of the gear really does feel kind of like she's reliving that with Rory. Emily cares so much about what how Rory, like that's even why she was there to begin with because she cares so much about how Rory looks like her appearance yeah. to and other status. people and status mm-hmm. 
that she's like, well, all of her peers are going to have it. To Lorelai's point, she's like, she'll be fine. My other question was, in kind of in the same vein, is with the DSL specifically, because that's kind of where everything comes to a head with Emily and Lorelai in this episode. Do you think, again, that that was appropriate for Emily to do the DSL without talking to Lorelai, or that Lorelai is the one who's in the wrong with being angry about it. Oh, no, I'm totally with Lorelai. Like, it's the same thing as the parking space. Like, there's a, there's a difference between buying, like, some school uniforms and then another, like, major life change that's, like, <laughs> if even if someone paid for it, if someone, like, tried to add a utility to my home <laughs> without talking to me, especially if it involved, like, service people showing up and letting themselves in my house, I'd be like... You can't just make decisions on behalf of me. And yes, of course, DSL is better than dial-up. Like, duh. But at the same time, like, you never had this conversation. You just did it. And yeah. I think that's I think that's the sticking point. I think it's less about the action and the intention behind the action as it, and more about the fact that, like, I'm just going to do what I want because I think it's what's best. And I think that's probably where Lorelai's coming from when she gets so frustrated. The same thing with like like the parking space, which I wanna, wa- I wanna know what happened to this parking space. Because- Right, because Rory doesn't get a car till graduation. She doesn't get a car, she, she rides the bus. And so if she got her a parking space, did it sit empty? <laughs> like, did she get a parking space and then just never do anything about it? Or did this parking space get left up? Because when I was in high school, parking spaces were really hard to come by. Same with me, yeah. So you had to, if you wanted a good parking space on the like main property of the school and you didn't have to cross the street, you had to get to school early. Yeah. And so I it, it's a rich school and Emily's got money to burn, so who knows? Maybe she maybe she just kept it. So I'm gonna pivot. Okay. And I wanna talk about how men flirt in the in the Gilmore verse. <laughs> okay. Because like last week we talked about or last time we talked about um, Dean and how he's like, I've been watching you and that's supposed to be charming. And it's like, yes, it like kind of is, but it's also the weirdest possible way you could say that right. without totally seeming like a serial killer. And so I want to talk about Ian Jack yes. because the entire interaction with her, with Lorelai and Ian, like at the school. So is your husband here? I'd love to meet him. I'm not married. Ah, I'd love to meet your wife though. I'm divorced. Shame. Yeah. That's not how you say that. No, and like, it's so, and, and I have so many things to say about Ian Jack also. That is icky. That doesn't feel on character for Lorelai. Well, yeah. She's, she's very blunt and direct. Mm-hmm. That kind of sidestepping of, I'm trying to ask if you're married by saying I want to meet your wife. Yeah, and she's assertive and flirty in all, all of her other interactions with men. But then all of a sudden, she's like super weird about it. Yeah, and, and to me also about Ian Jack, does not seem like someone Lorelai would ever go for no his suit is gross I mean I know it's early 2000s but it's like he's it's got front pleats and it's too big and he's like obviously older he is and then he just shows up at the inn like if someone if I met someone for four minutes and then they showed up at my work and be like I just wanted to see you I'm like I would call the cops and then I noticed and then she directly says a reason I don't want I don't want to date a Chilton dad. Yes, and he's like, well, I'm going to China. May, I, I'm, I'll come back, and then I'm going to call you. And it's like, <laughs> did you not get the no? She just said yes. Yeah. So what is up with the way men flirt in this universe so far? Because it's not good. No, Tristan like, is not good. Tristan obviously. is problematic. 
Yeah. Tris- Ian's not great. It's so bad. I had a similar-ish thing happen to me in my real life that I'm thinking back on. And yeah, it completely took me off guard. It was not charming. It was, this is super weird. Yes. And the, per- so and the man ended up being super weird. So yes. there you I go. I used to waitress. And so people <laughs> would show up and then they would like, Ask, they'd come back. Yeah, you, I don't like, want to be best friends or I, any anything else. I'm really sorry. No, no thank you. Like, please, <laughs> thank please you. don't come to my work. <laughs> please ask for somebody else. The other thing I thought was funny about Ian Jack was the fact that at this point in the st- in the timeline, she is not willing to date a Chilton dad. But then, not too long after this, she like goes full force and like, let's date a teacher. Yes. Which, yeah. again, is probably different because Max is a different person. And Max is a different animal altogether. I can't wait to talk about Max right. when we get there. Okay, so the other characters that we meet, we're going we're gonna to slide on back to Stars Hollow. Slide on into Stars Hollow. Which I love that, st- that Rory, when uh, Headmaster Charleston's like, not many uh, extracurricular activities. She's like, living in Stars Hollow is like, kind of like an, its own extracurricular it, activity. And it is. Which is legitimately true it is and there's so many times when the fact that she lives in this quirky little weird town that like no one understands comes up as a plot point like as a as a explanation for something stars hollow really is like its own cosmic array of characters (laughs) and so we meet babette and maury when uh when mick shows up yes so um we meet we meet her neighbors and like I love that there's not really much that they say but Maury's just wearing sunglasses cuz he's and a old, hat and a hat and all black and all black mm-hmm. and then Babette goes they kicked the gnome and that's like the one of the only lines she delivers and so we just and she's holding and a cat and she's holding the cat so, and and yes and the the gnome the fact that they had a gnome that was kicked and that is what they're worried about. Not necessarily there's these strange men who are at your house. I mean, that's part of it. But she feels it necessary to tell mention her, the gnome kicking. Tell her about the gnome, Babette. Like, <laughs> yes. that's a line. Gnome kicking says a lot about a man's character. There's just delightful. Yes, that I, is. Yes, that was a non-pilot intro that, mm-hmm. you're right, in that few minutes, you get a snapshot of who they are. Yes. And then another non-pilot intro that we also meet is Jackson. Yes. So Jackson and Suki, their their fight scenes over vegetables <laughs> and fruit are iconic. They are, So yes. this is like the first of many that and we will- And it's such a good one. Yes. It's such a good one to note that this is their first one, mm-hmm. like that she's rolling the peaches. Oh, I would love to know what you're doing. They're rolling differently too. Oh, because of the extra water. Exactly. Makes perfect sense. Just watching them, like, fight and have this banter. And so we meet Jackson, and we we understand, like, who he is. He's, like, the produce guy mm-hmm. because they're fighting over peaches or whatever, mm-hmm. and I, I need to sell the other ones that you don't touch or whatever. So they set up who he is and also establish not only do we like him because he's just, even when he's fighting, like, he's – being funny and being just kind of charming but then also that he and Suki like go at each other but in a way that they still like get along it's more bickering than actual fighting Mm -hmm. it's fun bickering and fun arguing in a way that is chemistry Mm -hmm. as opposed to 
they're actually annoyed. Or they are actually annoyed with each other, but it's still in a charming way. Yeah, you just, you're like, oh, this is, it makes it funny. Yeah, and it's not annoying to watch. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. It's not actually watching two people fight where you're like, oh, they're fighting. You're like, oh, this is Well, this whole show is watching two people (laughs) fight in a way that somehow doesn't annoy you. (laughs) Like that's the entire premise. It's rants and people fighting. It is. In a way that you want to keep watching it. And everything about it is delightful. Um, And we do, you, you mentioned, we meet Kirk as Mick. Yes. And he doesn't actually become Kirk for a few more episodes. So he is right now Mick and he gets... A few lines about the DSL. Yeah, so I want to introduce this now as the many jobs of Mick. (laughs) Which will become the many jobs of Kirk. Yes, and so the many jobs of Mick, job number one, is a DSL installer. And a possible gnome kicker. We don't actually know who kicked the gnome. We don't know who kicked the gnome. He's a possible gnome kicker. It could have been the other guy. Yes. Because Kirk... For all his quirkiness, doesn't seem like he has a gnome-kicking character. So a couple other things I wrote down that I want to talk about. One of them is um, some of the stuff that's happening at the school. Like, first of all, like, Paris's project. Like, what is this? I wrote that down, too. I thought, I said... Even for Paris, this seems extreme. Well, and it's, it's a it's, it's over the top, and it's like <laughs> it's a what what class is and this? Well, it feels like a history class, but also what was the project to make you make a full diorama with water in a moat of a castle? Well, yeah, and also why was it not already at school? Because we know that other students have already presented, and I don't know how school worked for you, but it wasn't like. You bring it in the day you present. It was like everyone turns it in, and then you and then you have just a day go to through present. and you go through presentations until everyone's right. Done. It feels very much like they scheduled it in a way that every student had a due date, but yeah. that would feel weird because then like why would you get more time just right. because your name is later in the alphabet? <laughs> and, and where was it before? Where was it before? Like why? Like. It clearly wasn't in her locker. It would never have well, fit exactly. in Well, exactly. So, like, why is she just now bringing it to school? Like, why wouldn't she bring it in in the morning? Leave it in the classroom. And leave it in the classroom. Yeah. Again, it's one of those things that is very, very much for the plot, but has a lot of holes in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't help but think when Rory was opening her locker how many dreams I've had, even as a grown adult, about forgetting my locker combination. It has really? lessened. Oh, my gosh. It has lessened over the years, but for probably a good... 15 years after high school, I will I would have consistent dreams about getting to my locker and forgetting the combination. Oh my gosh, I never <laughs> used my locker in high school, like ever, because my high school had, um, it was an outdoor campus, so oh, okay. it was a bunch of buildings, and my locker was like in a building that I only had one class in, and so... You were just better off with a backpack. It was like, I just filled up my backpack, and they're like, why are your backpack so full? And I'm like, because it's just... It's just, it's just a pain to go to my lot. Like, I didn't have time. We had five-minute passing periods, oh, and right. I had to, like, yeah. haul up three-quarters of a mile across <laughs> campus. So I just never went to my locker. I went to my locker, like, I'm not kidding, once a month. When I cleaned it out at the end of the year every year, I had to, like, consciously try to remember what my locker combination was because I never used it. It was full of just junk papers oh, by see, the end of it. See, that's funny because I used mine all the time, and the fact that I would have a dream about not knowing the locker combination is ridiculous because I would go... It's like one of those, you know, teeth falling out well, or exactly. naked in front of a classroom. Because see, me not remembering dreams. my locker combination, I'd be like, okay, I guess someone else is going <laughs> to clean this out. Right. For me, it was like, oh my gosh, I have to get in here right now. So the other thing that I thought was interesting, again, this is more of a continuity thing that in the early season or early on in the season is not 
that egregious, but the class she's in with the teacher who gives her the binder full of stuff. Like, is that a lit class? Is that pre-Mr. Medina? Well, because that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering she mentions if- to- that he mentions Tolstoy and Dickens, which makes me feel like it's probably a lit, some kind of English or literature class. Well, and that's the thing is we, like, sometimes we see her take other, like, we see her in, in chemistry a couple times over the over the yeah. years, and we see her in, like, two math classes ever. <laughs> she is She takes more lit classes <laughs> Then any like even when I was in in college and I had a hu- I, t- I have a humanities degree, like she takes so many. Lit you know classes. what though they do mention when Paris is going through her files, she says she's a journalism major. Which is that a I thing? Have, I I wrote that down. I have never heard of. And even later in a later season, Lane asks Todd about what he's majoring in mm-hmm. in high school. I'm like, is high school majors are high school majors a thing? Maybe on the East Coast. Maybe. So East Coast it, listeners. It was not for us in the mid in the Midwest. Yes. So East Coast listeners, if it's a thing for you to have a major in call in high school, email us and tell us. Please correct us. We will include our email in the show notes. Like we Yeah, want, we're good with that. We we're want good to with know. It, but I've always wondered that. That could be why she gets so much why she has so many lit classes and English classes because she is majoring whatever that means in journalism. But still like she still has to take the other classes. Right. Like just because you're a journalism major doesn't mean you like miss out yeah, on Yeah, you don't take math. So I just thought that was such a slight a slight obviously continuity thing because mm-hmm. Max then becomes the lit teacher. But I think that's one of those things we we can call forgivable continuity. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay, so I have a pop quiz for you. Okay, pop quiz. So when we see Miss Patty, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, with the girls, and they have the new Harry Potter on their heads, mm-hmm. you are a huge Harry Potter fan. Yes. At that time, what Harry Potter would that have been on their heads? Like, maybe book three? Okay. Because book one came out in the U.S., I think, in 1997. And so oh, okay, we can, wow. We That's can early. Fight. Yeah. So it would have maybe been book three. It might have been book two. But I love that she's like, if it falls off your head, Harry will die <laughs> and there will be no more books. And I'm like, well. <laughs> so okay. it looks like Prisoner of Azkaban came out in 99, which yeah. is book three. So it would have been book three. And Goblet of Fire came out in 2000, but it depends on the date. So my guess is because of shooting schedules and stuff, it would have been book three. So ding, 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 you are correct. Um, the other thing I noticed was uh, as much as they talk about Stars Hollow being a small town, we see the sign that says population 9,973. That's not a small town. Which is not that small. I lived in a town in Missouri when I was growing up that had 500 people. Like, I imagine Stars Hollow to be a 500 or less people town. Well, especially because we know you can walk almost anywhere. Like she could, they can walk from their house oh, to, right. to the center of town. And maybe, but we also see other parts of the town later where it's like, where's that? Well, and she does like, drive to the Independence Inn. Yeah. So that must be kind of but on the outskirts. But it's also like an inn that's on that. Like maybe yeah. there's just not a good way to get there. But like, yeah, to me, that's always, and they don't, they don't, Focus on it a lot, but I was—I've always thought like almost ten thousand people is not as small of a town as they make Star Hollow. Well, especially to be. considering the fact that like they act like everyone knows everyone, right? And, and town meetings s- have twenty-five people at them. Yeah, it's like, well, how is this a town meeting <laughs> that fits in a dance, like a seven hundred square foot dance studio, or however big Miss Patty's is? There's inconsistency there. Yeah, like there's no way that would work. Um, so I'm not sure that. Um, and I could be wrong with this. So again, East Coast people correct me. But I'm not sure that the writers of this know how animals work. <laughs> okay. Because when they're outside, so Louise and Madeline and Paris are yes. sitting outside the 
first of all, like, how did Paris talk this girl into sneaking her file out Which, the Which, again, makes me think Paris has just bullied everybody in the school. Well, and it's like, there's teachers there. Like, they, it wasn't like she, like, was subtle about it. She no. just, like, passed and it up the out the window. And out the window, yeah. Out the window, right? And so then Louis, or Madeline is like, Okay, Lizard, goodbye. Like, the only time I've ever seen lizards out in the wild is, like, in Florida. When I've been on vacation. There were lizards in Missouri where I lived, but that is south. That is not like Connecticut. I think, I don't think lizards can live in Connecticut outside. <laughs> like, isn't it a thing, like, in Florida when it gets too cold, the, like, iguanas fall out of trees? <laughs> and, like, because they get, because they're cold-blooded? Like, See, I, I always just took it to be, like, a delightful, like, exaggeration. Well, but of course. to think of an actual lizard in Connecticut. Because she's like, okay, lizard, goodbye. I'm like, that, like, say mouse. Yeah. Say right. Right. Spider. spider, yeah. Say beetle. Say bee, wasp. Anything, like, right? But lizard, <laughs> like, that's not how animals work. They just there's not every animal wherever Everywhere. you want them to be. So we are running out of time. Do you have anything else about uh, season one, episode two? So a, one thing I noticed, and I want to see if it's still there next episode, is at the 1843 mark. Mm-hmm. We are watching the show, and she gets home from dropping Rory off, and she's mm-hmm. taking off her cowboy boots, and there's the scariest pillow <laughs> of all time. It is, is it the clown? The terrifying clown. Oh, the clown's there a lot. It's terrifying. I have never noticed it, because there is all sorts of quirky, weird yes. stuff yeah. in the Gilmore house, and that's just kind of part of the shtick. Yeah. But like, and I get most of it, Yeah. but the clown, I'm not here for. See, I... Kind of like the clown. I don't have a phobia of clowns. I don't either, but I, think, I have a phobia of terrifying <laughs> things, needle-pointed on pillows. in the Gilmore house, it makes sense. and that's. But no, the clown, I think, is a good, is like a staple. I want to say it might have even been in the pilot. We'll have to go back and look. We'll have to go back and look, but clown I watch. do not remember. Clown watch. So we're going to do clown watch because I don't remember the clown. It may be not, but and it, I feel but it like definitely I shows up again. Um, I did a coffee count. It was only five, yes. which seems a little low, yeah. but still a lot, actually, considering that they're kind of on the go a lot. So what five did you have? When Lorelai goes to Luke's the first time mm-hmm. in the cowboy outfit. Yes. She has coffee when she is rolling, when Suki is rolling the peaches. Yes. Then she goes back to Luke's again mm-hmm. and has coffee, and that's when he jokes about giving her decaf. And then she brings Rory coffee at Chilton. And then at the very end, this is the strange one, when they're walking down the street and eating pizza, Lorelai like has a... nighttime. <laughs> has a but they drink, they drink coffee at night all the they time. They do, but to me, the pizza with the coffee does not sound appetizing. But again, that's their thing. But no. that Just was the one How they do not have ulcers is <laughs> That's the one that to me wild. was hidden. But those are my five. Yeah, that's the same five I have. The other thing I want to talk about is what I'm calling your idiots, both of you. Your idiots, the both of you. <laughs> um, which is a line later. Which is a Emily line. Emily line later that talks about the dynamic between Lorelai and Luke. Yes. Like the fact that it ever becomes a fight that like he doesn't like me or I'm not into him. Because <laughs> in like the pilot, they talk about like, oh, you look good. Like after they went, you know, he had the meeting at the bank and she had the flagellation. And then late, and then this episode, like he gets weird about Lorelai being asked out. He's so weird about it. Like, well, he's probably Jack. old. Yeah. Like, 
and all this stuff. It's, it's very obvious. It's very obvious. And then she even goes, hey, what do you, to Rory, what do you think of Luke? Do you think he's cute? Yeah. There is chemistry. And the fact that they like can't, they're like, oh, I don't think I'm into him. Like, yes, yeah. you are. Especially because we know how one of Lorelai's vices is, is that she's like boy crazy and gets like at, wrapped up, wrapped up in it so quickly. So right. the fact that like, this is the one blind spot that she has just doesn't seem plausible. I had a note about the fact that I like that they're already sowing the seeds. They do even in the pilot, but mm -hmm. the fact that the will they, won't they is there from the very beginning. But also, and this is again, let's go down the road of these, these people are fake, but let's talk about them as if they're real, is the fact that I feel like Luke means a lot to her as an actual friend and person in her sure. life in a way that like a crush or another man might not. And so I could see the hesitancy on her side of being like, mm, I don't, do I want to chance this? Because if I do, I might lose an actual real good, like solid person in my life. And as Rory says, you can't date him because we'll never be able to go back here. We'll starve to death. We'll starve to death, which is the funny part, but also, yeah, the awkwardness of you're going to date and the I get town, that, the, but the, the guy who's the middle of the town, you know. Before we go, I just want to hear what do you have a favorite line or something that made you giggle from this episode? Yeah, this was a good one. I love in the beginning when she says, "You know what happens to people when they're late on their first day?" Shorter. <laughs> That's a good. Gilmore Girls has so many good lines, but it has so many. I don't want to call them throwaway lines, but so many under the radar lines yes. that aren't supposed to be major punchlines, mm -hmm. but that when you really listen are so good. Oh, that's one yeah. of those that you're just like, it's such a quick one, but you're like, that's such a good one. Well, and it like <laughs> plays up the difference between Lorelai and Rory so well, because Rory is like, they label you the late girl and she's dramatic, <laughs> dramatic about, about, it about it and like stressed and anxious. And Lorelai's like, it's shorter. Yeah. Like, very, pr like it's not I a big deal. I could not care less about the fact that the day is shorter. Gosh, I have a, okay. And I love when... Michelle, classic Michelle, when the older I women... I have this one, too. Okay, the older women say... Oh, excuse me, sir. Can you tell me where we can find the best antiques? At your house, I guess. That is <laughs> so good. Oh, I do, have a, I, do have a, I do have a solid one, but go ahead. Okay, you do your solid I, one. No, 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 go ahead. I nailed my... I just found my solid one that I'm going to call my final answer. So um, I think my fin one of my final answers would, was that at your house, I suppose. I do also giggle when they are waiting for Headmaster Charleston, and she goes, um, Excuse me. Oh, how wow. Hi. Like, I don't like that after that, she then goes, that's what happens when you sleep with your makeup on. One, no, it's not, Lorelai. Two, that's just mean. It this is woman, mean. It, it's just, like, no, thank that's you. That's just her face. That's just her face. Please don't be mean. Like, no, thank you. So I don't love that. But what does make me giggle is they're like, oh, wow. Their reaction. <laughs> their, re <laughs> their initial reaction just makes me giggle. And then we already said it. But honestly, I love when... They're like, they're leaving Chilton and Emily just go, Emily goes, dinner Friday night, no spurs, please. That just makes me laugh. Cause it like, I thought we were done with the cowgirl thing. Right. She, was she, like, already, she already made a dig. She already made a dig about her horse being parked outside. And so they, they've already had their fight. And then I'm like, oh, they're, this is done. And then she just like brings it on home. One more, the, one more knife yeah. jab. But what's your, what's your. So my final one I would say is I love when Lorelai, again, kind of a passing one. Lorelai walks into the salon where Emily is and the lady at the desk says, can I help you? God, I wish. 
Or, yeah. That is just such, again, just such a, a, like, not a throwaway, but in a passing way Mm -hmm. that just makes me giggle every time. Yeah. And um, another passing one, just before we end it, is um, when she gets to the the house and the DSL thing is happening, um, and Babette and Maury go... Is there a problem? Oh, nothing Shakespeare couldn't turn into a really good play. That's excellent. Like, it's just... It's such an encapsulation, I feel like, of the drama that... Lorelai has with Emily all the time. Mm-hmm. It's always a tragedy. So with that, I think we uh, will call it a day and we will see you next time for season one, episode three, Kill Me Now. <laughs> and just don't forget the wise words of Mrs. Kim. Boys, Boys don't, don't like funny girls. girls. Did you have anything? I have lots of things. Okay, I was gonna say. Okay, let me. We'll we'll cut we'll cut all that. Obviously, no. Just leave dead space. People really like dead space. <laughs>